computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranges McBasketball. And Tim, what's up, man? It's been a couple weeks since we've had a chance to hook up together in the same pod. Uh, not a ton of great things in Lakerland to talk about, which is why. You know, we didn't want to hop on and, you know, yell at clouds for 45 minutes about the effort coming out of the all-star break. So, you know, kind of alternated weeks there. You did your March Madness thing. How is that going, by the way? Uh, We still have our champion, three of our final four teams and both of our title teams left. But the uh, first and second round did not go well. Okay. So 2022 for the hashtag iTest crowd out there um so anyway we are coming to you to kind of catch up in the last couple weeks of lakers basketball and actually talk about recent basketball lakers just um won a game against the cavaliers we're recording the day of the sixers game lebron's gonna sit out on that one getting ready for this uh pelicans matchup coming up on sunday um oh my god i can't believe we're talking about a pelicans 9 10 matchup mattering on a sunday Tom, one does not just waltz into Smoothie King Center. You, you, or is it Arena? I don't know what it's called. I went one time. There's nobody there for like a, a Pelicans Nets game. They're just we're just letting people in. So that'll be fun. Um, so I mean, we'll talk. I guess a little overall what we think this team can do. Um, you know, coming up to the play-in, we still don't know when AD is coming back, but. I don't know. What have your thoughts been over the last couple of weeks of Lakers basketball and like what they versus what they've looked like recently, I guess. Yeah. See, Tom, I don't know if I want to put a label on this. Like, I don't want to see where we're going. I just want to enjoy it in the moment because, because it's, I'm, I'm liking it. It's a little better recently. Like I, I like what we've got going on here and, and we can see where this goes, but like, I don't want to put any expectations on it and then have, you know, me and the Lakers go our separate ways. Uh, it's been more fun. Um, we've certainly seen some rotation changes. We've seen some offensive scheme changes. I think we've seen less like the Frank Vogel, like trademarked plays we're not seeing anymore. And we're back to low frequencies of more David Fisdale offense. Um, although out of like smarter alignments and like, we can get into that, but like, big picture like the team's playing better they're still missing ad once ad's back that'll like help things certainly but they're at least playing a smarter brand of basketball and it and it's more fun to watch and i think we're seeing specific guys uh perform better due to that but i think it all starts with like the rotation and who you're putting on the floor because that can really either junk up what you're trying to do or enable a lot of what you're trying to do and that's somewhere we've seen some big changes recently so no more Avery Bradley coming off of a curl for a 18 foot jump shot offense. You haven't seen that lately. Not anymore. No, not anymore. He's playing. He's still playing, but he's not playing all that much. Uh, we've seen THT take a big drop right. in minutes recently. We've seen Carmelo Anthony with a big drop in minutes recently. They both had some, they've been out a game here, there. Um, also had injury stuff. So Reeves become the third kind of, you know, established starter around Westbrook and LeBron and Frank kind of alternating in guys around him 
and uh, the two stars, quote unquote. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Reeves is established and you, you wonder what this could have looked like if they, if he hadn't got hurt earlier in the year and they figured this out earlier. He but was out of the rotation cool in November. Him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a change, like huge changes. This team is very different from this Lakers team three months ago. Yeah. Two months ago. And it's good to see him playing out there, getting those minutes, getting those starts. He, in our LeBron metric at the ball index, our impact metric, he was the highest riser from last week to this week in the whole league in that metric. And he is now the third highest impact rotation player for the Lakers, um, which is, which is pretty wild for a rookie. Um, So he's, he's doing really well. And Monk's dipped a little bit and his minutes per game have dipped a little bit, but we've seen like Ellington, Ariza, Bazemore, because oh, he's gone. Well, well, no, but like those first three, like oh, they're out oh, of the rotation. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, right, right. like the old wash guys, they're out of the rotation. Right. Augustine, he's not very good defensively, but offensively he's hitting his threes. He had the one game where like seven for seven or something so, like yeah, that. Six, six for six, six against Cleveland. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, he's adding spacing and it's, it's less like this is a high caliber guy that is, you know, a, a great player right now or a great player for the future. And more just like he, he fits, he can shoot and he can space the floor and that helps other players play better. And same thing with Gabriel, like his individual numbers don't look good. His impact metrics are, eh, but he brings a type of basketball and he's brought an effort. And I think just the freshness of what's, what we're seeing from a, from a viewership standpoint is certainly fun to watch. And on court, we're seeing it translate to some results. And I think it's enabling the team to play like five out more. And we're seeing Gabriel like be decent on defense in a way that like Mello was struggling to do, um, so that's, you know, that's a change. And then also Stan Johnson's gotten like a five minute per game boost recently. Uh, so he's, he's been playing well and been active and hustling. And I don't know, we're, we're seeing, I think they've tried a lot of different combinations and we're seeing a, a decent combination right now where the guys that are playing complement each other. Well, they try, or they're currently trying and we're seeing some good results along with it. I mean, from what I'm saying, and tell me if you have anything to, you know, kind of back this up, I think, um, it's also kind of not playing Carmelo or THT as much um, and and playing some of these other guys like Reeves, like Johnson, um, like uh, like Augustine. They're just better connective passes, faster mm-hmm. decisions. Um, Carmelo and THT can sometimes hold the ball a little bit longer and the, you know, the, the momentum, the, the ball movement stops, and then the player movement kind of gets interrupted and stilted and kind of when those other guys are out there, the thing I like about Stanley Johnson is he, he always makes a decision quickly. He always kind of like gives it uh, like a second and a half. And then he's doing something, even if it's just like taking a quick step in to make that guy commit to him, or he's looking to pass, he's, he's studying the floor and he, he makes some turnovers still, but a lot of those guys are quick and, and Augustine can move the ball as a connective tissue guy. Whereas I think some of these other lineups, you know, the ball gets moved around, then it gets into THT at the top and he's going to hold it, size this guy up, or it flows into a Carmelo 18 foot post up and he holds it, you know, uh, he's going to shoot over his guy quick. So it's just, a lot of better passing and, and and player and ball movement lately over the last few games I've seen. Yeah, that's something I noticed looking at our lineups app at B-Ball Index where we'll like show like this is the spacing of a lineup, their playmaking, their finishing at the rim, whatever. One of those things is looking at their ball dominance. And the Lakers had a lot of lineups earlier in the year that 
included players who typically hold the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And when you have that many guys stacked on top of each other, naturally, like when they're playing together, four of them won't have the ball in their hands at any given moment. And it was just guys whose style and, and tendencies and instincts and decision-making were geared more towards like, all right, I've got the ball now. What can I do with it? And less, less of those connector pieces that like, just, you know, swing the ball to Reeves and then he'll make a decision and extend an advantage or potentially create an advantage. And like you mentioned to, to him on our pod with him, like he's doing a bit more of that uh, ball handler type of stuff, less just like standing around and shooting. Um, but you're right. Yeah. The, the data, the data backs it up and we're seeing lineups that make more sense. They just fit better together and we're seeing better basketball because of it. And yeah. oh, oh, and well, I think we're also see, like with Reeves and Johnson playing a lot, we're also seeing the two guys who are frequently creating for others by screening just in an impromptu way a lot more frequently. There's one of those guys is on the court, a lot of, you know, high percentage of the minutes for this team now. So even when a set play isn't called, we're still seeing, you know, you're, you're just finding money in your pocket when Reeves is setting a, a flare screen for somebody or Johnson is setting a, a flare screen for a shooter or cutting or things like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot better on that end of things. Um, but it's not perfect still, you know, mm-hmm. we've still gotten like that wizards crunch time offense was left a lot to be desired. That was the Lakers that we know and hate this season. Um, even though Westbrook made a couple shots, you know, he made a couple plays. It wasn't great. You know, a lot of turnovers that game. Um, but he's overall been slightly better as of late. Is the is the data kind of showing that kind of uptick again from the the depths of below? Yeah, so he's been rising from an impact standpoint and his so he's played better in a way that makes me worried for how he will be playing because if you look at like the percentages of what kinds of shots he's taking, he's currently taking more mid-range shots and one-footed fadeaway mid-rangers so many so many like he's taking (laughs) mid-range shots most often then threes and then shots at the rim it is like not russell westbrook um (laughs) so like he's gotten to the rim like as little as like early in season where where he wasn't getting to the rim and then the team switched their ball screen angles and then that kind of led to him getting to the rim a bunch we're seeing the deepest dip all season since that very beginning of the year in terms of how frequently he's taking shots at the rim. So that's concerning to me because that's generally what he's supposed to be better at. He currently has uh, had a huge uptick in his mid-range field goal percentage, and it's been about as good as, his, as it's been at any other point in the year. And he's also currently shooting like 41% on threes over the past like 10 games or five games. And I certainly don't expect that to continue. So if you take how he's been getting his shots and you continue pushing that forward, but then you apply his like more normal effectiveness, it's going to get really ugly really quick when he's just taking 18 one foot turnaround mid-range shots and missing them and not getting to the rim. So right now it's like, if I, if this was a stock, I'd be selling real hard because he's going to dip soon from an impact standpoint over this next stretch of games, unless he continues shooting really, really well, which I mean, can happen, but it's not, it's more of a mirage to me based on the process than it is. Oh, you know what? This is fixed though. There are things about like the Lakers playing five out and more spacing that I do think enable or should enable better performance from Russ in terms of getting to and finishing at the rim. So been better, still bad. Got it. Um, 
it's it's still not great. It's he's still not efficiently. It's still crazy to me that he, you know, for whatever reason is justified at 27 plus percent usage rate this season. Because at a certain point, it's like you gotta find ways for him to, yeah, anyway. Um not do that all the time. So do you want to talk about THT? Because he has been really bad lately, like back mm-hmm. to beginning of the season. Can't make a shot. Oh, what was there was a week, three or four games. He played well. And then he had like a three or four week stretch. <laughs> we did a was, podcast at the yeah. end of the, the third or fourth of the game where I was yeah. like, Oh shit, this, this guy's everything it. we wanted. And then from that point forward, he had the opposite of the Reeves podcast bump where he just couldn't hit anything. Yeah. And we're back to that THT where outside of maybe some, you know, length at the point of attack on defense, he's really not doing anything out there for you. I agree. Yeah. He's not playing well. He doesn't fit. He hasn't grown. He's, he's gotten worse in areas. He's just a poor fit with the rest of the roster and he's just not performing. Like it's, we wanted to see him do better. We hope he can do better in the future, but the best thing for the team's current success to win basketball games, which is paramount at this point, given that they're like on the fringe of not even being in the play-in. And at this point, if the play-in were to start today, they'd have to win two games in a row just to get the privilege to play the Suns in the first round. Um, it It's a problem. And, and we're seeing the team in response to that, I think, play him less. And it's been beneficial, unfortunately, like fortunately, but also unfortunately for, for him. Yeah, I... So this is why I bring it up because we're getting toward the end of the season where a team in the Lakers position realistically need to think about next year. And I know they're still going to do whatever they can to win games in the short term. So this is kind of a mute, a moot argument, but it's time to start thinking about next year as far as who needs to be here and what can I see from them um, to see where we think we can use him because he's got a player option at something what 10 plus million, right? I don't know the exact number, but he's going to pick that up. Um, So he's going to be on the Lakers at some point. If the Lakers need that money, he will be moved. I suspect after a disappointing year, the willingness to let him go and, you know, a marginal upgrade uh, might be a little bit higher now than it was last year. So how can we find a way to use this guy on the court, even if it's as a defensive stopper, how do we transition, you know, these last 10 games or so into a a path for him to contribute, even if he's not making shots? He needs to, geez, you need to have enough shooting outside of him to the point that like, he's not out there on the three point land standing next to another non-shooter. Cause that really, really, makes it hard to play offense. If you're to succeed with him, like assuming he's playing well in defense, you're doing a great job, offensively needs to be able to be someone that if you're playing five out is actively cutting and or screening for shooter teammates as an off-ball player and is doing a really, you know, crashing the glass hard. He can't go stand at the three-point line, watch a possession and then jog back. Um, He needs to be seeking opportunities to create opportunities for, for his teammates and then be just hunting rebounds offensively and, and hunting opportunities for putbacks or dump offs. Uh, and that's kind of the path at this point, unless you want to put the ball back in his hands and 
watch him run more ball screens, which I don't know is the best thing for this team. Yeah, not really. Um, but I can see a situation where for his defense, uh, when, you know, points become much more important and you're not playing in these 130, 120 games the Lakers have had of the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that's how they've been winning lately, Tim. It's been just slightly better offense um, when they've been able to win. Yeah. It's over the last three games, they have the second best offensive rating and the second worst defensive rating. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it's very entertaining basketball. Um, and it's uh, different from what they were for the like rest of March, where it was just like awful offense and awful defense. They're at the point now where with the great offense, bad defense. And again, it's, it's against like three, three games, three teams. It, it's not, we're not trying to project forward here, but overall they've still performed about as an average team. Um, even, even with us seeing some cool things. So it's uh, that is, I do think you need to lean into the offense a bit and, and just try to outscore teams. If you can set LeBron and Russ and 80, once he's back up the best you possibly can with space and connector pieces to just be a machine offensively. And then you can hope that Frank Vogel can pull some rabbits out of a hat tactically in, in the playoffs defensively. That's your best shot at doing something the Lakers are in a tough position where they're better defensive players like DHT. Um, he's not someone that really is helping the offense. So, so if you put him in, you're taking away from one end to try to help the other. And it's, it's just a really tricky thing to juggle. And I think what they're doing right now is it's at least better than what it was before. Um, but I do think, I, I think there is opportunity for him to play. I just don't know that he should be playing high minutes. And right now he's been playing less minutes and I think that's appropriate. I mean, I kind of see him as like a, a monk leverage play. If monk is, is playing poorly and not hitting his shots, uh, at least THT can provide a little more size little in length on the defensive ends on mm-hmm. some of those, you know, chaser roles, point of attack roles. Um, it's not a great place you want to be in if you're in that place, you know what I mean? Um, but again, it's kind of a break glass thing. Uh, if you need to put him on someone like a booker or something like it, that actually you know, look, do you want to do the play in thing now? Because the Lakers, we, we after, can. I mean, they're going to be in the play in. They're going to be in the play in at nine. Unless they're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. They're not going to be seven. No, let's, it's, let's see what we're yeah. looking at here. So because oh, as to, for my money, the play in is going to end exactly as it's basically seated right now, which is uh, Wolves, Clippers, Lakers, Pelicans. Mm-hmm. So that means the Wolves play the Clippers, right? And the winner is in at seven. And then the loser plays the winner of Lakers Clippers. Lakers uh, Pelicans. Right? Lakers Pelicans, excuse me. Yep. So the Lakers would have to beat the Pelicans, mm-hmm. which fine. Okay. You know, still, you know, Zion Zion's not coming back. back. Right. Yeah. I, right. I feel good about Like, you should win that game. We this team well, should have won a lot more games this season, so yeah, they may not win that game. But like, with it. You, you feel as good as you realistically can, I guess, against that team heading into that game. But then either the Clippers or the Wolves have absolutely dominated the Lakers. Um, I know the Clippers swept them. I think the Lakers almost got swept. I, I off the top of my head, I feel like they did get swept or have lost multiple games by twenty against the Wolves this season. So what's your confidence level where the Lakers can, you know, with AD back, let's say for one game, he came back for one game before this, he came back for the play-in. Do the Clippers have their two 
stars. I don't know. I think they're, they're done, right? They're not coming back. Okay. I think if AD's back, I think I'd rather play the Clippers. I feel, I don't feel great about that coaching matchup, but I like, the Lakers should be able to win that game a bit more against Minnesota. I, I think how they match up has shined through and how the results have looked this year. And they're also well-coached. So I don't see some big advantage there either. So I, I, I'd rather play the Clippers, the team that's won six fewer games to this point in the season. I mean, do you have confidence in the Lakers? Oh, no, (laughs) no, Um, not really. It really depends how like AD looks. Uh, It depends what happens. Like, I don't know if it were to happen tomorrow. If if we say they're doing what they're doing, they, you know, what they've been doing recently is continues to happen. AD's back and he's healthy. Like the Lakers have a, a good fighter's chance in that game. They'd be the away team, but they'd be in in whatever they call the stadium now, uh, crypto. So, eh, kind of a wash. So I'd I'd like I don't know. I would go into that game probably previewing it, saying here's the path to victory. Let's go do this. Not going into that game being like, oh well, we've got to hope for this and this and this and get lucky. Like it would be like a real, they'd have a real chance. What if Kendrick Nunn comes back? I don't know. I, I, that, that helps. <laughs> I, at that point, so if Nunn and AD are back healthy, Lakers are playing five out offense. Let's say you take Dwight out of the rotation, replace him with AD, um, and give him obviously more minutes. I don't know. Like I can see myself really liking how that looks. It, I, I'd feel good about it. Can I just say, I, and I feel like this has been, you know, an underrated topic this season. Kendrick Nunn, what the fuck? <laughs> Where is he? I see him every fuck? time he celebrates. I'm like, I don't want to see you happy. Like, <laughs> what happened? Why aren't you playing? Stop. What's like, going just on? tell us because we have to know. I is, have to know. What is the official? It's a bone bruise. Have they ever bone changed bruise. that? No. If he had broken his leg, I think he'd be back by this point. Yeah. He's going to miss the whole season. Does he have like, like I had shin splints one year in like cross country and like middle school. It's awful. Is it like that? (laughs) But you can still play through that. It just, it just sucked. I just have questions and I would like answers. Maybe we can do a little, maybe we'll, we'll do a little side digging and see what we can find. Is he, I don't know. I'm just waiting. One of these days, Honestly, what, we the... might win a Pulitzer if we did that for Lakers Twitter. Like, <laughs> I know everyone just like needs to like understand. I'll see what I can find. We, I guess we've got some contacts. We can, we can do a bit of digging. I don't, I don't know what. You get we'll medical see. records, Tim? What's up? Nope. Nope. Not actionable information. You cannot sue us. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Just being clear. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back and talk about this uh, little Lakers rumor Mark Stein had this past week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, and we're back. Uh, this week, Tim, there's already, like, I like how we're not asking the question, like, will the Lakers keep Frank Vogel? There's like, here's who I'm hearing will, could be in contention to replace Frank Vogel when he is eventually fired. Are you still yeah. in that camp despite the last few weeks? He's gone. I bet, I bet my house that he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, like we, the only reason he's not gone right now is because the Lakers don't have enough money to fire him and then pay someone to be a head coach. <laughs> like, like they, if, if Steve Ballmer were our owner, I think Frank would be gone. And I think we would see Fisdale or handy be the interim. Yeah. Uh, those, uh, those winning time checks have not deposited yet. Apparently. Yeah. Not yet. We're, we're hoping you keep buying Jeannie's vodka or whatever she tweets about. Um, <laughs> well, it'll happen one day. We'll see what happens, but yeah, no, he's gone. He's gone. And I think we're all, I think everybody's ready for it at this point. So, yes, I think so, which is it's we're going to have to have a proper Frank Memorial pod when that happens, because, you know, for better or worse, we need to unpack the, you know, the contributions he had to a championship team and put them in a proper uh, mm-hmm. historical context, which because I think yeah, I think he will be yeah. remembered fondly in time. But it's like when you're in an abusive relationship, like you've hurt me too many times in the same way for me to love you like that right now until we get some space between us, then I can appreciate you properly for your, your strengths and weaknesses. But in the meantime, Tim, we've had a former Lakers assistant coach, Quinn Snyder, now Utah jazz head coach come up in the rumor mill as a possible candidate for the Lakers position. Um, as your, you know, the resident scouting, uh, you know, offensive mind, what does the Jazz offense look like? What is Quinn Snyder like as a coach if he were to come to the Lakers? Well, I, I think something to note is like 
this fan base, we are sick of, you know, going into all these playoff games with the same vanilla game plan and expecting for it to work. And it's like, we're done with that. We're, we're ready to, fans are ready for that to end. And and those fans are Utah Jazz fans because that's what Quinn Snyder does. Oh, defense. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, no, he's a really good coach. He's offensively, I'm a big fan. I like a lot of what they do. They do a really good job of, very frequently running organized offense, but in a way that flows well, in a way that's centered around their good pieces, and in a way that accomplishes a lot of what I like to talk about conceptually. Um, it's not like, oh, they run this specific action or this specific play. It's more like the they these principles they take care of really well. So that to me is a plus. I, I obviously like 100% would guarantee the offense will look much, much better. This is a coach that has coached multiple really, really good to elite offenses. Defensively, we've seen him work really well with the drop coverage with Rudy Gobert and not great pieces around Rudy Gobert. Uh, We've seen, I I really want to dig into how they've, if this does happen, I'm going to watch a lot of Utah Jazz film this year specifically to see how, they have approached switching because they've played some smaller lineups. And then I want to take a look at how they've used uh, other coverages other than just drop because they've been more versatile scheme wise. I know from looking at the data, but I haven't really watched a bunch of film on it. And it's not just that they're doing other coverages. I want to see like what tactic, like what are, what are the little granular pieces around that, that either make it work well or don't make it work well that they're utilizing. Um, but we've seen more of a willingness, more of an acceptance from him that like we can't just play drop coverage all the time. Um, and with the Lakers team, I don't think he'd be going into a situation where that's where you would initially start from and, and the roster can change a lot. But with AD, you're probably not like, oh, let's drop, you know, he's not Rudy Gobert that you don't want to use him like Rudy Gobert. So defensively, stylistically, it would be a big shift. So I want to try to get background to see how will he, you know, from what, from his past, from when he's tried to do those things, how can we expect him to like coach a switching team? Cause it hasn't been within Frank's wheelhouse and we should set expectations appropriately, but from a, uh, I think regular season, I think he's like a top five coach. Um, playoffs, I just think adjusting has been a weaker point for him. And adjustments are the type of thing that like for the Lakers, since we pot about it and I'm diagramming all this stuff and I'm writing all these notes, like I remember all of these exchanges of like, they did this, we did this, they did this. And like have a really crystal clear picture of like how Vogel and the staff are at that with other teams. I like watch the games in the series. I'm like, ah, this guy stinks at adjustments or, oh, this guy's really good, but I don't remember the specifics. So then like eight months later, when I need to talk about it, I don't remember specific examples as much. Um, But year after year, I watch Snyder's teams and I'm like, ah, that they're not adjusting very well. And one of those things that happened last year that many folks will remember is when the Clippers played five out and they were hunting mismatches and then beating guys to the point of attack. Uh, Snyder had, they tried to put Rudy Gobert weak side corner, which is smart, get him to rotate over. And then they didn't have anyone rotate behind him to, to cover his man. Um, so because they were getting beat on the perimeter, Rudy's, Rudy's choices were either stop them at the rim or let them get a dunk while I stand and guard Terrence Mann in the corner. So he made the right choice of, you know, try to go defend, but there was no rotating behind it. And that's, that's a simple, like silly thing to me that like really, really hurt them. And that was, uh, the most unnerving thing I've, I think I've seen from his staff from a adjustment standpoint. So as good as his defenses have been, I'm actually way more confident on the offensive side and, and for sure think that'll be a big step up and defensively is where I have a lot more question marks. 
So it's it's interesting, right? Because to unpack and and to do what you're doing takes a lot of kind of subjective uh, analysis based on you not being in the coaches' meetings, right? So what I'm trying to say though is like there's no other defense to play than drop with Rudy Gobert, right? So like that is where he was going to succeed the most. Mm-hmm. So it's, drop, it's what's best. So how mm-hmm. you uh, coach the guys to go, uh, you know, above the screen and pressure from the back without fouling, how you teach guys to, you know, man the gap between the guy in the corner while trying to dig on a, a drive just to stunt, stunt on him, just to give him a little bit less space to get to the rim. These are the things you can coach or you, you know, like, yeah, they've been a top defense in the league in, in the NBA, basically because of Rudy Gobert. But what are the peripheral kind of principles that are there that could show that there's coaching scheme involved with this positive uh, defensive effort? Yeah. And it's like it's like we know he's like a really, really good like chemistry teacher, but we're looking for potentially a biology teacher for for the roster we have given AD and LeBron and how they fit in. And like, you know, it's still science. It's still like defense and we've seen him succeed at it, but like it's different. And so we need to try to find the points about what did I say? Chemistry that apply to biology and see like here and there at a granular level. What has he done that translates really well? Um, Cause we know it could be a really good drop coverage coach and we know he's also have really good drop coverage personnel. How does he coach? How does he teach? How does he adjust with, and how does he utilize the other screen coverages? Because that's more where the league as a whole is going. That's where the Lakers roster is. And that's what you're going to need. That's what you'll need to do to have success in the playoffs. I say Utah over the past X years, they've been a really, really good regular season team. And then a mix of every single season having like awful injuries, like in the playoffs or at the end of the regular season, plus them adjusting poorly defensively has led to their postseason struggles. I mean, he doesn't exactly strike me as like a, a personality manager either. I love Phil Jackson, where he's like, I don't know, maybe he has been a part of navigating this Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell kind of you know, standoff, I guess you'd call it kind of standoffish at times, uh, at least have been with each other in the media, you know, it doesn't seem like that place is, is like bursting with uh, team positivity, like fucking Ted Lasso's coaching over there or something. Yeah. I'll, I'll share more with you offline about things Ooh. I've heard about Quinn Snyder on like, it's because uh, he looks an asshole, isn't he? No, no, it's not just that, looks but like it may be related. Tall. Yeah, he, he, yeah, it, he looks like a mean person. Yes, <laughs> he, he looks does. very, he looks super intense yes, like all the time. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that that works out with managing personalities. I think it's it is worth noting that like you just had this like long ongoing lack of like roster chemistry with their mm-hmm. best players, and I don't know that it's fully on him but he's certainly around and engaged in that. And I think if, again, if this were to happen, like we'll go talk to all the Utah jazz people we can and covering the team or agents or whoever, and try to figure out as much Intel as we can as to what his role was in that. But it, it's like, you were around this. We just have to figure out if like you had anything to do with it. Um, But it's not a great place to start. (laughs) Like it would be better if it was like, Oh, you've had all these wonderful rosters. Just how much do you, you know, 
create that environment. It's kind of the opposite where it's like, you're hoping to, you know, we need him to have an alibi almost. There's like, I don't know. Okay. So what you're saying kind of to me makes me think of like, if you're a coach and there's this thing going on that is potentially causing a rift in your locker room, you either fix the rift and squash it or get rid of one of the guys and you pick one. And this has been the story in sports franchises for as long as sports franchises have had two good players on them. This has mm-hmm. happened. And there are people who have been able to like manage through those feelings from two different individuals and pull toward a team collective. And the thing <laughs> that like, I just don't want more of, to your point, uh, Snyder's a bit Vogel-esque. I don't want this like waffle, this like in between kind of if then so coach. I want somebody to be like, you guys didn't make up. All right. Like G like GM, like owner, like get this fuck one of these fucking guys out of here. Like if Tibbs was the coach of the jazz, one of those would be fucking traded. And I bet you it would be Donovan Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of respect that at least because you're making a a decision instead of floating between two for so long that once you do eventually make a decision that has lost a lot of its effect and it's, you know, it's changeability for lack of a better word. Yeah. I guess on the bright side, if he were to come to the Lakers, they have clear best players and those kinds of decisions I think would be easier. And I, and these guys also get along really well to start with. So I'd say the risk at least short term is lower for that. Or if it were to occur, like you're not bringing in most likely a guy this off season that is like equal caliber player to either LeBron and or AD where you need to be like, Oh, I don't know which of these guys to go with. Whereas like on Utah, they've got like their offensive engine and their defensive anchor. And if you remove either of them, they, they struggle a bit. And so that's a, a less straightforward answer to them. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask a follow-up. That's kind of not related though. Are we presuming Russell Westbrook to be on this team next year? I think so. I would, I'm my, I think my, like, I think the Lakers have opportunities to move him. I don't think they're going to have a great opportunity. Like they're going to need to get really lucky with a team that just really needs to unload some players like a, I don't know, like Indiana saying like, oh, you know what? Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon, you just don't fit our timeline. So we're going to give away two good players for someone who's worse than them. Um, just like to like take OKC on that expiring deal. Kind of thing. Yeah, or OKC, yeah. Like, but even with OKC, like, and... you're not bringing in there, – there are two paths. There's the indie path where it's like we get good players that just happen to be in the wrong right. scenario because the team wants a big expiring contract to get off money. Or you go the OKC route where you're more looking to dump him. Yes. And you're just hoping to pay as little as possible. Yeah. But but if you do that, then you get the, what do you get? You get the larger MLE and you have, I'd have to do the math, but you have some cap space, but nothing gigantic. Well, there might be incentive for OKC to take less draft compensation because like, I don't think they're going to hit the salary floor this year. If they might not hit it again next year. And, you know, if you're going to have, you have to pay a certain amount to your players, no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know, and so depending on how it all shakes out, it could be helping them out by keeping some of these younger guys, you know, and I don't know, it it does help to be able to pay them more like outside of that contract, but it's, is there almost strategy behind, like, is there any part of that that's that's intentional where it's like, we have these guys that are super earlier in their careers that we're going to get to pay well more than other teams can play their early guys. Cause we're just because intentionally yeah. not going to meet the salary floor. 
Yeah, like if if your options are either bring in a player who's not part of your future to pay him a lot of money and then to kind of disrupt like you trying to, you know, develop guys or you get to fully focus on developing guys and like, oh no, you, the owner, have to pay the same amount of money. You just pay it towards the guys that are part of your future. I can see why that's an appealing option. And it makes them better trade assets because they're under better team controlled contracts, but yeah. have gotten the positive, uh, you know, benefits of a higher contract, quote unquote. I think we've uncovered the Presti secret. It's kind of found a, a little loop hill. Yeah. Uh, it, I never really thought about it until uh, a month or so ago where I was like, are they doing that on purpose? <laughs> like right after the trade deadline, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I think they're just doing this on purpose. Yeah. Uh, but it's good talking it through and really, really flushing that out. I mean, I, I bring it up mainly because there's that history there. And I think that there's kind of a sentimentality in basketball decisions mm-hmm. sometimes like, Oh yeah. There you, you see the, the OKC fans on Twitter that, that come to defend oh, yeah. Ross cause he was, Absolutely. he was really good when he played for them. And even, I think if he's going to come off the bench for a guy like SGA, it's, yeah, it's going to be an OKC like where he can transition into like a vet on a team for a couple more years mm-hmm. just to stick around, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Well, so anyway, getting back to your point, if he's on the team with Snyder, that is, I mean, that's a, Russ as a a centerpiece on a team is a challenge. And we've seen the Lakers try to do things to work around that schematically that worked when they used them for a bit and then just kind of like gave up. Uh, So I don't know. I, I can't definitively be like, oh, this can't work. This won't work. But certainly like the bar is super high where you actively need to be doing things all the time to like make it work more due to his lack of perimeter shooting when you involve him in like ball screens and handoffs and things like that. So it's certainly, it's absolutely a challenge. And I don't know if like when I'm thinking of the ball handlers that Utah's had, they've had guys that, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, like they've got, they don't have Russell Westbrook kinds of guys, unless I'm forgetting somebody they've had. So I don't know the film I'm going to go pull up to say like, okay, how would he approach this? Because teams don't defend Utah's ball handlers the way they defend Russ. Dante Exum? Maybe. Okay. I can, I've got some homework to do. I, I can he take can't really that. shoot either, right? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. He's not in the league anymore, so I don't think so. <laughs> so probably not. The odds uh, are in our favor. Yeah. So anyway, I think it's an interesting discussion. We'll definitely touch more on, you know, coaching um, vacancies and potential candidates. I'm curious to see like what the list we should make a with Westbrook and, and a, a without Westbrook kind of every time we do content this summer, it's like <laughs> caveat, like the multi yeah. um, the Lakers 616 for those who get the reference. So, you know, We'll figure out what the big top end of the plans are for the Lakers. I feel like fairly soon or early in the process, at least their intentions. And, um, but I uh, like we got Stanley Johnson already. That's a good one that they were able to get done back in January to get that second year on there. Uh, you have yeah. Austin Reeves returning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I was skeptical about Gabriel at first because he's a lot of, energy without application sometimes but i think that they don't even have the energy part of things and that has been very positive 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he has gotten better at the, you know, being able to help and and kind of rotate and just have you can't teach that size and, and length either. Yeah. I, I'd wave somebody, wave Bayes, wave Ellington, and give give Gabriel the the Stan Johnson deal. See if he'll take it. See if he'll take something where like next year he's on a non-expiring, but he's under contract yeah. for like the min. Because he's I mean, he's he's yeah, he's a value at the at the min. Yeah. He can he can play. So, you know, there's also been, you know, rumblings about um Mac McClung looking awesome in the G League. I still remain That's a very different skeptical. league. <laughs> yeah, he's so small, but he's been mm-hmm. awesome and and even better in the G League than I thought he would be. I'll have to catch up on some film with him. The last time we looked at South Bay, I was just like, I can't watch this. These guys make, they, they pissed me off the way the Lakers offense would piss me off. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. Wait, are you going to watch now that Darren Collison's on there? Oh, is he? Oh, int- oh right. Yeah, yeah. That happened recently. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I'll, I'll rewatch some film on synergy and just, just try to catch up and see if, I don't know, take a look at McClung. Is there any, I don't know if there's anyone else that might be potentially interesting from down there. The Lakers played the Darren Collison like situation completely backwards. <laughs> Were you try out on the G League team <laughs> later <laughs> instead of first? <laughs> yeah, get his legs I'm still under mad him. About him. His can play. Yeah, roster move too. It's ridiculous. It's it's going to be the difference between a title and and this. Uh, no, it's it's bizarre. I don't know. The the margins are not with the Lakers. They are not a margins team. I don't know that Collison was gonna be a big move at the margin anyway, or if he was able to like I mean, I don't know where he looks like now or what he'll look like a couple weeks from now when he has more games under his belt, but eh. But like, okay, uh, the margins with LeBron are pretty fucking big, man. It's kind of hard to build a shit team around LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And yes, they've battled injuries with both LeBron and AD, but still, man, like we've, I don't know. The team, team construction is the number one uh, death knoll for this, for this team, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. This construction really scheme and construction are two things that like, you don't need to nail them, but if you don't nail them, you need to be nailing a lot of other things. can compensate for the other. Yeah, and they're over two, and it's really, really tough to to do anything with that. Yeah, and so, just okay. Yeah, so and then none. You have none. Uh, <laughs> Allegedly, I don't know. Does he have two legs? Where what's going on with him? But, I mean, another player option. So yeah, he's picking that up. Yeah, so he'll pick that up. There's no point in like trading him super low at this point. Like, uh, maybe I mean maybe he's part of a deal just to like move. He's he's salary ballast at that point. Like. You might as well just keep him. It'll probably end up keeping him. We'll see what he can bring next year. And he looked exciting. He looked like a good contributor prior to injury. So we'll see what happens. But I'm interested in that. Malik Monk is another guy that like, if he's gonna, back on the min, yeah, yeah of course. He no, may I mean, be able to command more than min. Oh, the min. Yeah. So that's where the roster construction piece really comes into play. Because if you do end up making one of those like Russell Westbrook for like healed and... Uh, Malcolm Brogdon trades or something like that, where you just suddenly have a lot of guards, then I'd rather use the MLE on a wing. If so, so like if you're going to use it on a guard, I like him for, for the guard MLE. If the roster construction goes a different way, then 
I, I'd rather have smarter roster construction and, and grab a wing or a big with that position, probably a wing, than force it. And I don't know. So I'm, I like him. I want him back. If he's not back, it's because either Lakers can't afford him, which I don't think will be the case, or they've made other moves with Russ that give them a bunch of, give them more guards. And then it just doesn't make sense to have him back. But I'm anticipating he'll be back. So let's do these ones quick because I think we all agree. Um, Ellington, gone. Bazemar, gone. Ariza, gone. Dwight Howard, gone. I think that's probably yeah, probably fair to say. What about <laughs> Carmelo? I don't think I would like him back, but I understand why fans have enjoyed him this season. He, he has not been super enjoyable for me, but again, I do get it. He has played okay. In the, he's Carmelo. He can make jump shots. I remember there was like a week at the very beginning of the season where he had like two good games in a row and like Maples was like subtweeting me saying his defense was bad. And since then, it's just his defense has been what his defense is, is, is and it's been bad. And I just, I don't know. He's been fun. It's great. I've been saying it all year. Like when he goes like five for seven on threes, he's a positive player. When he doesn't, he's a negative player. I think there are iterations of next year's Lakers team, depending on how the roster construction goes, where like he is a good scoring shooting punch off the bench that plays 18 minutes, 15 minutes a game. Uh, If he's playing more than that or under a lot of potential roster constructions, it'll be hard to make him really work given what his defense is. But I'm, I'm at least open to it because he at least gives you that shooting, but I'm not thrilled about it. I'd, I'd rather go somewhere else with that that money although it's a min so and then uh avery bradley also likely gone if frank is gone yeah him and frank will be a a package (laughs) deal wherever frank signs next um so that is kind of the early you know prediction from us i think it's gonna be interesting to kind of we'll obviously still watch the games and finish out this season though we've been waiting for it to die out since the all-star break Mm-hmm. Um, it is cool to see LeBron pass Carl Malone. Um, yeah, he's bringing is. a lot of milestones recently, or maybe that's just what they're pushing more because the performance at the team level isn't there. But it seems like every other game there's some sort of tracker up or something. Have you seen that like little leaderboard of players' uh averages in their 19th season? It's hilarious. No, but I'd imagine he's like it, at the top by a lot. It was like LeBron, 30 points, zero uh, points per game. It's like Kareem, like 13.2 points per game. And I was like, oh. I forget who the other one was. And it it's just incredible what he's still doing, dunking on his friends, uh, Kevin Love. And, you know, just making SWAT. He's incredible. And I, I still maintain it's, kind of impressive to build a shit team around him but again i digress um anything else you want to close out with today buddy uh i mean it's not a big thing but i'm excited that the team is smarter about their five out offense like they're cutting more than they have all season uh if you look at their like synergy scoring possessions each game their last three games they've had 17 11 and 13 cuts and that's the the most they've had over any three game stretch in the season, and they're doing so because they're playing five out. And when you isolate as much as they do, and they clear out a side of the floor, 
you've got one guy at the right wing or block or whatever, isolating with the ball. You've got a guy at the top of the key, and then you have three players on the weak side. When they had Dwight in there or a big, they'd have them in the dunker spot and then two guys in the perimeter. But now they have three guys standing on the perimeter next to each other. And you can't do that. Um, that's too easy to guard 3v2 and then recover to it. Um, so what they're doing is they're very purposefully cutting one of those three players. Ideally, it's the worst shooter of the three. Sometimes it's just the guy in the middle. Um, and then they're like spacing the other two out or sometimes they'll screen for each other. But they're at least building in just kind of like some of those basic like automatic, like in the scenario, here's what we do. That's that's my one scheme fun fact that I that I saw. We're still seeing a lot of ISO ball, a lot of stagnation, occasional good plays. The shot quality is on the rise a bit. Now it's back at kind of where it was at the beginning of the season. Um, where you know, not great, but not as bad as as the like really low low that we saw like a couple weeks ago. So it's better basketball. It's still not the most exciting. It's still like my expectations for the season are still tempered, but it's it's more enjoyable to watch. And they're it's cool to see them like learn and grow, but it just kind of stinks knowing that I, the translation to next year, given how much of the roster and the coaching staff is going to change, like just may not be there, but we can enjoy it while it's here. It's gotten watchable, at least. We'll see how it continues. Yeah, they're um, trying. Yeah, it's gotten better. Um, until then, you know, follow us, uh, on, uh, social media at Lakers X pod on, uh, Twitter, you know, send us those DMS with the five-star ratings. If you're, you know, uh, podcast player of choice and we'll get that invite to the discord and, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do another one of these games coming up soon, Tim. Yes, absolutely. And while I pull something up, uh, I want to shout out the Discord. We've been having some fun in there. Um, I'm going to try to hop on tonight and call a little bit of the Lakers game against the Sixers. If I if I have, I, I, I'll be able to do some of the game. I don't know about all the game, but I'll do some of the game. Um, we've been having a lot of fun in playback, watching the games and chatting together and, and calling the games. And I know with March Madness, I was like literally just watch. I scouted 75 college teams in like a week. Um, so I had, <laughs> I had no time. It was awful. Yeah. I do this to myself every year. Um, so I, I had been indisposed for a bit. Uh, but now that that is over, I am back to my Laker ways and we'll be in those. Uh, we did a little bingo the one day and that went well. And that was a lot of fun. Um, we, what else? Oh, we've got a, so for the bracket, I put my bracket up against the hive mind, like everyone on their end filled out what they think is going to happen. And they're like consensus picks are going up against mine. And uh, we are, I think really close. I think I'm ahead by like a couple points or something like that, but it can go either way. So that has been a lot of fun, but that's been great. We uh, have some scheme stuff upcoming because I am a week behind on putting out new X's and O's content because of March Madness. We've got some bonus pods on the way. So that's been great. Um, what I, I think that's what I'd like to share about the Discord. It's so much fun. It's it's good being able to talk about like baseball and football with these people that you like establish rapport with, even if like the Lakers themselves aren't, you know, as engaging as they've been at other points in time. You still have that like community that you can just enjoy other things with. Um, and yeah, so so get on in there. I'm going to shout out friends of the pod, Mike H, uh, friend of the pod, Mike H for generally supporting, generously supporting the pod as an arena sponsor. I want to shout out Zach Harris, Q daddy O and iPod shuffle for living the high life with us in the owner's box and to our coats courtside and lower, lower bowl crew 
who support what we do here. It really keeps us going. Um, and if anyone wants to get into the love, get in on those details, um, you can join that private server just as Tom described, or but you can go to tinyurl.com slash support Lakers XPod um, and, and you can find us over there. Good stuff, Ben. Well, let's stay, uh, stay in touch and uh, we can pod again about the last week or so of the season. Wait, actually, before we go, Tom, I hear you're, you're, you're tearing, the streets are telling me you're tearing it up in the pickup game. Is that, is that correct? I have returned to the pickup games of Santa Monica. Um, Yeah, man. Added a new uh, dribble handoff three to my game. So, you know, make a couple of those in a row, get blitzed, slip a screen. Just, you know, my pick and roll variations, man. I try to add to the game. My little pull-up shooting is probably the one lacking. So, Teams can let it like sag off me. No more, sir. I'm draining. Mm. I'm draining unders. I'm draining DHOs. Um, best going to the right, which is interesting as a right-handed player. <laughs> it's usually okay. easier for people going left. Yeah. Easier for me going right, but I think that's because I'm a left-eye shooter. Oh, okay. It's good so, to know. It's good to know yeah. your, your body. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> um, I didn't know that those things were things until, you know, fairly recently. Uh, it's in the last like five years or so. So it would have yeah, helped me in my nice. prime. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> I, I need to get back in to pick up a bit. I was playing earlier in the year and went like, I don't know, I went like 18 and one or something like that. Um, just like beaten up on, on random people at the gym. Uh, and then the one day I was playing these guys and like posting up and like, this is, I think this is the biggest issue I have with pickup basketball is that like without officiating, the people who don't play basketball or haven't played organized basketball, the, the, the physicality lines get blurred a bit. And like, when you're posting up, like I'll go up to someone, I'll give them a swim move. I'll duck in and like, I'll like get a good post position pre-catch. And if you're playing basketball, like that's a normal thing. And there are ways to defend that. If you're not a basketball player, some of these guys are just like, well, fuck this. And just start fucking like punching me in the back. <laughs> and like, you can't do that. Um, and so, but like, what am I going to, I'm going to call like a foul on a pre-catch post up. Um, so like, that's, that's a pain <laughs> in the butt. And, and I actually hurt my back from it. Uh, so I haven't, I haven't played since then, but I'm, I feel like better. So I need to get back into the game, but man, Tom, we need to get some run in at some point somewhere. I know. Uh, I missed that pick and roll combination we had going. That's good. I know. It's I fun even to play had with to, other people who know what they're doing. It is. I had to, cause I did, I, I nailed a couple DHOs, uh, threes and I go up to the guy before I pass the ball in. I'm like, bro, they're going to both swarm me. So like, just like roll and we got to look for the ball. <laughs> yeah. Cause they just yep. like, you know, check the ball in play in half, you know, not playing full court. So check the ball in, pass to him, go to get the DHO. And then anyway, no one wants to hear about my pickup glory. It's okay. I still have it. I know. But yes, Tim, we got to play soon. And um, if you want to catch me, I'll be on the streets of Santa Monica. All right. Loser by Sacos. Oh, God. Deal. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>